Blog Talk Radio. All right. All right. Yeah. Uh, You guys want to start the show? Let's start the show. everybody welcome to saturday morning cereal yet another edition because we won't die we multiply we multiply small world but no matter how much i multiply i am still the one and the only the original dan grimshay and joining me is i believe the original marquee i am bona fide og all right and there you go we are we're going to lead you on a little roundtable discussion everybody today uh-huh. in which you cannot participate <laughs> That's a roundtable yeah. lecture. Yell, yell into your phones or your your laptops all you want, but uh, we're we're leading the discussion. And today we're talking geek to chic. Oh, that's right, we are. You remember, remember that. that was yep. uh, I, don't, I forget which movie that was a tagline from. Probably like uh, Can't Buy Me Love or something uh-huh. like that. But there was a whole rash. There was a whole hell. I'll say it. There was a spate. Of movies. You're getting deep in the dictionary. Back in the 80s uh, that that turned nerds into their stigmatized, uh, like back in the 50s and 60s, the kids who were getting sand kicked in yep. their face, the, the Poindexters. The Archies. The, the Archies. Uh, I, I don't know if Archie applied. Well, no, but there was a guy on Archie. I'm sorry. There, there must have been. Jughead? Jug- yeah, yeah, but no, Jughead had it going on. You're he right. was a Spicoli. <laughs> You're right, he was. I'm sorry. I, I have no idea what I'm talking about. But in the 80s, it was uh, it very well, uh, definitely the first biggest one was at the aptly titled Revenge of the Nerds. Oh, yeah. And this kicked off, like, more movies and properties than you think of. Mm-hmm. I mean, just to name a few. And I know we're just getting the tip of the iceberg. You can all start looking it up later. But we're talking about the real genius, yeah. Val Kilmer. Uh, Weird Science. I love that uh, one. My Science Project. The inferior, but Mm -hmm. still exciting, My Science Project. Um, There was... It got kind of scary with the Manhattan Project. Is that what it was called? No, the the one with uh, Matthew Uh, War Games. War Games. War Games is another great one. Yeah, Uh, yeah, and that one wasn't even... It was still kind of a coming-of-age sort of thing. Definitely not a comedy. Right. But it really kind of showed you Mm -hmm. that, I mean, this was... uh, It became a lean, a bent in Hollywood, yeah. and I would argue it's affecting us today. We yeah. we now, like maybe without that one particular subgenre, we would not have this open embracing of of like convention culture. Yeah, there was. I mean, would stupid comic book movies this, be so popular? Right. There, there's this kind of. You can kind of trace it back, obviously, to those Saturday mornings, right? That's mm-hmm. that's why we're here. Is that we. 
you know, it's those cartoons that we all grew up with. Um, and of course, grew up with us. Yeah, but, well, right, there you go. And, wait, wait, yeah, wait to wait brand it. it. There, there you go. And so, uh, you know, obviously we all were exposed to that and we were all a part of that geek culture. But when it came, when it, when we started to grow up a little bit, all right, mm-hmm. and when it was on primetime television, there was this, there, there was that particular show that did kind of elevate it. It, it kind of took the conversation elsewhere. We're obviously talking about, and why we're here today, is head of the class. The big bank, the head of yeah, the class. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're right. I didn't even think about that. Well, no, no, and I That's, don't even want to. Uh, there's a reason I didn't even finish saying it. Yeah. There's no need to give that show any extra cred. Correct, because something came they're first. They're doing just fine. Yes, and they're, yeah. Something absolutely. came first, but something was born of this. Because, of course, if things are starting to take off in Hollywood of a certain genre is, is, is really selling well, you're going to see it on TV. You're going to suddenly start getting your Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm-hmm. and your Daredevils, yep. et cetera. Yep. So what was, the, uh, what was the natural answer? ABC thought head of the class. Head of the class. You remember that? Howard Hessman vehicle at first, but it was basically all the smartest kids mm-hmm. at Manhattan's toughest school. Yeah. And they all got one special history class with... Uh, Howard Hessman. Yeah, it was like, you know, uh, what was the John Travolta one? It was like... Um, oh, uh, oh yeah, uh, Welcome Back, it, Cotter. It was, like, it was like Welcome Back, Cotter, Except but they were all Rugrats. Yeah, exactly. The, yeah. They, they were the Sweat Hogs. The Sweat Hogs, that's right. And they were all, like, hip and cool, and some of them were good-looking, you know, like, you know, yeah. freaking John Travolta. But they were, they were obviously bringing out those... Uh, those types of personalities. Yeah. Essentially, they took Welcome Back, Cotter, to right. replace the Sweat Hogs with, with Revenge of the Nerds. Correct. Uh, cast. Yep. Which you had the funny, smart one. Mm-hmm. You the, had the, the musical, the smart one. You had the, the rebellious, one. smart one. You had the fat, smart one. Uh-huh. You had the Hindi, smart one. Yep. Everybody there was, had, was yeah. too too smart for school. You Sweat had Hogs, the... too cool for school. Bam, there you go. That's what I should have said to start out with. Anyway, there okay. we go. We got there. We're here. Yeah. You had you had the preppy Robin Givens, like in her yep. first like I mean, this is what brought her out. She ended up marrying Mike Tyson for Christ's sake, and that that was a whole other she that did. was a whole other thing. That, yeah. That, <laughs> yeah. That I mean, was its own tabloid <laughs> cultural. She was on Baba Walters, then. you remember? For that That's, I've I've been on Baba Walters. It's <laughs> not as it's not as defining I mean, as you think. Th- but. This was cr- like we're talking. This was a show in my lifetime, anyway. Mm. In your lifetime, in my lifetime too. Th- this yep. was, the, and many of you. This was one of the first things that brought the nerd geek culture into the mainstream, like mm. directly. I don't even know if that's what they were going for. If they were just trying to placate us, I have no idea. No, well, but, like I said, I think they just said, "Hey, look how well Revenge of the Nerds did. Look how well yep. Welcome Back, Cotter did. It's about time." <laughs> and then, and they used Howard Hessman, who yeah. uh, famous from WKRP yep. in Cincinnati. So he was like, uh, like a former Seinfeld star back yeah. then. Yep, it was where you could basically just say, if we've got a half decent show idea, we'll build it around this bankable. Mm-hmm. You know, this guy was this, this on the Friends of his time, yeah. so yeah. they'll probably at least get a season or two. Uh, he, in fact, I think was the only one to get replaced. I do not remember how much of the. I the, think the it was class. On... The kids yeah. uh, moved on or left the show, but the only one I remember getting replaced was him in, like, the last season. Yeah, I think he was on for five years. 
And I think Which you, or four years maybe. Oh, and then yeah. the last year was they they famously switched to to Billy Conley, who is a Scottish uh, comedian performer. Yeah. You guys have seen this guy everywhere. I mean, he's been yeah. on a lot of. Things. It was like the it was his big introduction to the mainstream mm-hmm. uh, America. Yeah, uh, and well, I think the poor guy deserves another reintroduction every five or six years. He's brilliant. Well, we are comedian. Yeah. Just he's almost an all-around performance artist. He's got a Google him. Google yeah, him. I, you idiot. I just saw him in something. Jesus. Well, well, we just saw him in uh, uh, Boondock Saints. Well, yeah, uh, we recently. saw him in Boondock. But that Saints. was back then. But still, I, I just saw him in another movie recently. I mean, he's he's the type of guy that's always you're you're going to see him everywhere mm-hmm. I mean, until he drops dead. This guy's going to be in stuff because he's very talented. I was actually a, okay, so I was a fan. I watched in its time. I watched Head of the Class. Like I was a big fan of it, um, and I. I had HBO. You know, we've discussed this before. I was one of the families that stole HBO when we were kids. You know, we bought the filter and everything, so we had HBO. So I was exposed Just to all those comedians. Just can't get enough of incriminating himself. I know. Guy. Well, the, the statute of limitations is way gone on that. And I remember a stand-up, uh, like a comedy hour, HBO special, whatever you want to call it, and it was Billy Conley and Whoopi Goldberg were on the same ticket. They didn't come out and do stand-up together, but they were on the, you know, so... I watched Billy Conley's like stand-up routine before he was on the show, and he was hilarious, like mm-hmm. hilarious. I mean, just stitches in your side, funny. And I couldn't wait. So uh, as a fan of Head of the Class and as a budding fan of Billy Conley, and my dad watched WKRP in Cincinnati, not me. No. So I was ready for Hessman to go. You know, I liked Hessman. He's fine. But yeah. you know, no offense, I, Mr. no, no offense, Mr. Hessman, but I was ready for Billy Conley, and they only gave him one one season, you know. Well, these um, kids had been in high school for they were, uh, especially, especially the one who was like like eleven yeah. in the first season. Yep, who had apparently sped right through all the yep. the rest of school, and then still took her five years to she graduate was high school. Sorry, I have to bring it up. Again, no. Yeah. No. but yeah, I know was. it's hard it's, not to. It, it's it, um, still to this day. I mean, it's hard. To, I, I think it's gotten a little bit more consolidated, but there's still obviously some geek stereotypes, you know, mm-hmm. that are still kind of, you know, real, real, pre- real prevalent. Yeah, you know? like you have your, you know, uh, uh, Stranger Things does a good job about kind of bringing that out too you have your guys that are but into again, sci-fi you have your guys there's into science almost a reason they said it back then is because it was still kind of it was it seems to me like it's easier to be excluded back in that time just for being a nerd right i i would wonder what the stats are on the last time a kid came home from the bus stop crying <laughs> because someone called him a nerd I don't, that's like I a badge really, of honor now. Yeah, I, yeah. Don't, I think what happened was by, you know, the mid-90s at the very least, it had pretty much taken the word back. Yeah. they th- That was and, – and the concept itself, obviously, everyone embraces being a nerd. It yeah. kind of still has to seem like you have to pretend you're persecuted to a degree. <laughs> To, to be proud average. of it, because the second nerd is actually everybody says, "Well, it's great being a nerd." Suddenly, you're no longer a nerd. You lose some kind of identity. I don't know. So it's kind of like you have to like find a deeper version of nerd. A more... Well, you always have to act like that's something you there, there, should have. There has like to when be you some kind of outside group. It has to be. I think it has to be a self-deprecating there has to be a lower compliment. Cast, is what you're when saying. you use it about yourself, like yeah. oh. 
I guess I guess you can tell I'm a nerd. Nobody says, oh, I guess you can tell I'm the quarterback for the New England Patriots. <laughs> it's funny that you said that because, like, I was thinking about that. And by and I've seen her many times. I've heard her. Uh, I've I've been to to comic conventions. I've seen her live. Olivia Munn. If you were not looking at her and you just hearing her, has all the geek credentials. She knows. She knows a lot about comics and Star Wars and all this other stuff. Like, she could totally trade, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. And then you see her, and you're just like, that ain't no nerd. And so you fall into the stereotypes of what a nerd is. Right? You just kind of trip into it. Now, there was – and so you kind of get this kind of – this phenomenon where people are using the branding of nerd as a way to superficially humble themselves – and they may not necessarily earn that cred. Mm. And of course, there's splits in the nerd community, and whether that should be allowed, and all that. You know, we're not going to get into all of that. We're not going to. Suffice to say, I don't believe in it. It's a big tent. Correct. That's that's what I think. I we want can everybody. Make, to we come can out. act like it's a self-deprecating comment on ourselves mm-hmm. every time we make it, but I don't think anyone should ever be able to use it against someone else. Yeah. I think we have got to be all accepting. It only works when enough of us are in on the joke. Uh-huh. And the joke is on ourselves. That's the only way it works. Yeah. Well, I. I well, you get militant about. Oh, they're faking it. They're they're a poser. Well, we're not Come here on. to we're we're not here to put walls between us, right? Yeah. I mean, that's that's like the worst thing you could possibly do because then you actually fall back into the '60s, '70s, where liking these particular things made you an outcast. Yeah. Whereas if you watch the show Head of the Class, there was a very eclectic group of nerds, right? Mm-hmm. There like we we kind of touched on the kind of normal ones where there was the sciency spectacled guy, yep. there was the the kind of the fat kind of guy. Um and then you but what head of the class kind of did was that they kind of showed you that there were other faces to geekdom, to nerds or to smart people. Yeah. It was the the Latin guy, right? I mean, this guy was a good-looking guy. Um, they had the Dennis Miller guy with the leather jacket. He was like the cool guy, but he was really smart. Yep. Um, the actual teacher I thought was like kind of like an old beatneck kind of cool guy. Yeah. You know, like um, Pal around with Hesman. Ginsburg. Or right. Something. Yeah. Right. And then you had, and I'm glad we finally got to this. You had the pretty ones too. Robin Givens was is still, but she was gorgeous. She was one mm-hmm. of the prettiest women in the world back then. Um, and you also had our guest. Christine Hodge. Christine Hodge, right. That's right. She played Simone, mm-hmm. wafy redhead. Redhead, the redhead. Uh, you know, dressed in, like, long dresses and big poofy sweaters mm-hmm. and stuff. It wasn't just all about sex appeal. Right. But she was that. She was, she, she, but she was another example of, like, you could, you you had... People who were – they were all very smart, and they were all very passionate about what they liked, and that's what was alienating them mm-hmm. ostensibly from everybody else in the school. So that's how they all ended up in this class together. Instead of being a one-dimensional loser who has no life, so of course they know the square root of blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So they made them human characters like that, but then did give them all like basically uh, you know, nerd steroid injections yeah. and then wrote the lines from there. Uh, and she was a great, great actress. A lot of them were very um, – because they were all very young. Uh-huh. There might have been a few like in their early 20s playing teenagers. But for the most part, they were actually that age. They were actually at that stage in their lives. 
And if they weren't, you know, very smart uh, but poor New York City kids, they were very smart but also child actors. Yeah. So they, they had their own they had their own isolating their own hormones kind going. of kind of problems <laughs> yeah. in their own life. So and I think that kind of helped too. And the fact that I was a kid and I and I was I wasn't I don't think we were in high school then, but still I was allowed to enjoy that because they were younger. And that's what did it all. For I, us. I I think it's also like you know there were there seemed to be and again this is all to my memory of how I grew up watching TV uh, is that there seemed to be few groups that you could latch onto. You were a jock. You know, uh, you were a smoker, dr- you know, druggy loser guy, or you were the nerd, or you were the cheerleader, mm-hmm. you know. Like, you just had, there was, you know, maybe you could break it up further and say you were in choir, or maybe, you know. Or what about, you know, the, you know maybe. But what, what head of the class did is it, it broke up one of those subsets. Mm-hmm. And it also, it also made you think that, the other, like all the other subsets, could all fit into the geek culture, into the mm-hmm. geek population. Like there was a version of geek in everybody, mm-hmm. and it took them all into the room. Exactly. Yeah, and so we all got to kind of see ourselves in these, you know, yeah. the classes of like twelve or fifteen. So there was a lot of characters there that you could kind of yeah. Latch if, on if you actually. If you were part of another clique and you were in real life and you were part of that clique out of fear that everyone else would otherwise think you were a nerd, right. this kind of gave you that. You were okay. Uh, this is all right. This is all right. Yeah, There's something better. funny there. It gets Everybody. better. And it turns out the world loves to admit it's a geek. Yeah. The, it's the, the, they love to, when they embrace being a nerd, the world loves to talk about it. It's the, the, the geek shall inherit the earth. We've no, said it before. I know. And that's, and that's why they're all joining the geek boat. I know. I know. But look. Which, again, is just fine. Uh, well, sure. We, we For all I all. know, I joined the geek boat. I could have probably avoided it. Could have just done better at soccer. You're definitely not a jock. And yet. I could have been a jock instead. <laughs> I just never bothered trying that. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. but that's that's a product, at least in part, of all of that of that rash mm-hmm. of of entertainment that came out of again the appropriately named Revenge of the Nerds, yeah. which spawned all of these kind of clones. But it also led to a little wave of geek yeah. in the culture. Yeah, and it, that, it was that is still affecting us now. It was right in the middle of a real golden age of sitcom television too. Right. I mean, there was a mm-hmm. lot of good TV then. I mean, because I don't think that I would be such a fan of television if it wasn't so good back then. You well, know, that's like, true. I mean, it was really good. Yeah. Know? And there was a lot of great shows. Um, and this one just kind of fit this kind of off kind of beat. It was really necessary, I think. You know, it really fit the time. It was really appropriate. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it, I'm just I'm I'm glad that I got to to like kind of see it live. You know, I don't even uh I haven't seen a show in a long time. You actually saw one recently? Yeah, I did. I yeah. I watched one just Can I uh, ask uh, can I ask what your what did you think about it watching it now? I mean, it actually holds up pretty well. You think so? I I didn't watch I only watched one full episode. Mm-hmm. Uh I listened to the theme song first and I thought, "Ooh, like just the song." Uh-huh. I was like, "Oh, this is dated." Uh, and then, of course, there is a lot of fashion in the uh, in the show because they're high school kids. Yep. And, it's and so I was bracing for it. But uh-huh. you know what? It really it held up a lot better than I thought. Part of that might have been because uh, it was it was a very good copy on YouTube. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I'm helping piracy here or not, but you can go over to YouTube and see. Uh, I insist many, everybody... many episodes, uh, and it I'm did take it. me back. And it, it, it really, it does, it holds up better than a lot of shows at that time. Like Balky Bartokamus. <laughs> the writing is actually a little. I think because they had to write for so many more characters. It wasn't perfect straight. They didn't just, you know, go ninety miles an hour straightaways. That is what perfect strangers like. Perfect are. strangers would do, and you wondered how it lasted so many seasons. Yeah, uh, it was funny, That's but it was funny. good. I recommend going to check it out. Uh-huh. Uh, but and and because if you felt like you were lucky. At the time watching it, think how lucky you'll feel watching it now, Marky. I'm going to do it. I'm actually really interested. I'm, and I'm just imagine how lucky I felt talking to Miss Christine Hodge, oh, that's right. who did. played Simone herself. Uh, we got to chat a little bit, both about uh, Head of the Class, uh, about what TV is now, uh, just about being geek, uh-huh. about what that does. Okay, that's enough of that. Magic Interview Machine, bring me Christine Hodge. Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us. It's another Saturday morning serial. It's me, Dan Shea, but I have got the pleasure of speaking to our special guest today, Miss Christine Hodge. Hello, Christine. Thank you so much. Hello. Thank you. All right. And everybody out there, uh, you know, in our generation, all you serialites, if you had a TV in your house and a heart in your damn chest, you would probably remember her as Simone, the the aspiring poet from ABC's Head of the Class, which was a huge part of, of well, I guess my television babysitting experience. So as a fan, I want to say thank you for doing that, Ms. Hodge. Totally my pleasure. I enjoyed every second. I felt so incredibly lucky to be on that show. I was actually in high school when I got the show, and so I felt like, you know, I had the best of both worlds. I went to my public school. I went to North Hollywood High in the mornings, and then I reported to set at Warner Brothers at 9.45, and I was in fantasy school all the rest of the day. And I got to hang out with the cool kids, even though we were playing nerds. So it it really was uh, – I couldn't ask for more. <laughs> yeah, not not to get too stuck on head of the class right out of the gate, but it never seemed to me like you guys were all nerds. I would have loved to have been in that class from the very pilot episode. So, I don't know. I guess it missed the mark. No, no, we did our job. We made nerds seem cool. See, we okay, even told you. There it is. Acting. Yeah, and now, of course, nerds really are cool. Everybody wants to be a nerd. But at that time, we were breaking new ground. That's and uh, right. it apparently did help some of the, uh, some of the uh, let's see, higher, I don't know what you call I hate to even call them nerds, geeks maybe, some of the geeks of the world mm-hmm. got new and improved respect at the time. That's which which is true, and I think it's extended so far out now. On here on Saturday Morning Serial, we talk about incessantly. Some would say that kind of geek culture that is that is cool now because it's something we all grew up with, and things like Head of the Class helped. Uh, I don't know. I guess it would be called changing or even just developing a stereotype where everybody in the end roots for nerds as class that is destined That's to right. be losers, but everybody free. I mean, co- Comic-Con conventions make billions a year. There's, there's a couple of brats over and at CBS getting love. millions each. 
for a little show, yeah. which is just basically the college version of Head of the Class. And I won't even mention what it's called. <laughs> but I, I, uh, I'm with you on that one. I agree. And it makes me happy. I'm, I'm happy to have been any part of that. Well, well. We were very proud of Head of the Class. When I got the script, actually the first thing I thought was my history teacher would be so proud of me if I did this show. And um, and it did feel like a contribution at the time. We were a smart show that did deal with real issues, personal, teenage, cultural. We we handled things on a lot of levels and in a wholesome way that everyone could watch. And that was important to me at the time. That's, and still is. That really so is I felt true. like you it's a classic. You guys didn't just go for the cheap laughs. I mean, there's plenty of guffaws in the script, but the story ideas... Uh, like for instance, just getting ready for this, I watched uh, one episode very early on called "Ode to Simone," where Aww. essentially, well, of course, you you end up being the star in this ensemble cast of about twenty in this episode. <laughs> but but That's beyond that, sad. you had to deal with essentially there was a, a a poet that you reached out to, a famous successful poet. He yes, I think it was Lasker. I admired him. Yes. yes. T. Robert Lasker. Devastating. What a name. What a perfect Manhattan poet name. <laughs> and and uh, but then it's kind of like that. Don't meet your heroes. You were crushed. And it turns out that, that oh, in, at the end of the episode, great poet, horrible person. And I kept getting shades of uh, <sighs> an ongoing conversation we've had here on the show of people like like Bill Cosby to take it to an extreme, but people whose yes. work you can admire, but people who are not good people, perhaps, people who you shouldn't shouldn't consider a role model, but does that mean you can't right. enjoy what they do? And then I just found myself suddenly like, oh, I didn't – these are themes that were probably seated in my head by shows like yours. Oh, well, thank now you. Now they're making me a, a complete person or something. Am I giving you too much credit? Never. No, head of the class deserves all the credit out there. It, it it really was a great show, and it helped a lot of people uh, just in their personal lives without getting serious. We were a comedy, but it touched a lot of hearts, and it gave permission to a lot of people to be themselves, whatever that was. Oh, that's well put. Uh, and I, I think that that is, is uh, exciting, and I'm just grateful to have been a part of it. All right, well, and I have the best of friends. I'm still incredibly close. Kimberly Russell texted me yesterday. I think she might have even texted me again this morning. We are pals. Uh, Tony Odell and I are very close. Dan Schneider and I are very close. Uh, it's They are part of the fabric of my life. And uh, Dan Frischman just moved to New York, and I live in New York now. And so, you know, he was... We had my birthday dinner together, and I felt like I had a, a classmate with me, oh. which was really fun. Well, that's, I was going to ask, because you guys, uh, it's not like you were a bunch of 33-year-olds playing playing high school students. You, you, you guys obviously did spend a lot of time together, and did you come out of that like an actual class? And it sounds kind of like you did. We did. We did. I think that, of course, we were closer in the very beginning. Like the first year was the honeymoon year where we would go, we would actually go to lunch together in wardrobe, like to the local restaurants around Warner Brothers. And so 
<laughs> group of otherwise misfits. You know, we were very stereotypically dressed for our characters. And so the the shy romantic one, which was me, and the hip, uh, cool, uh, music buff Maria's character, Leslie Vegas' character, and uh, Darlene, Robin Givens' character, was more conservative, sort of the 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 Brooks Brothers girl. Um, uh, uh, Eric uh, Mardian was his character. Brian Roberts, Robbins would show up in his leather jacket and his black jeans, and, you know, he was just too cool for the school. And uh, we would all sit together at lunch, and uh, people would <laughs> be like, what? Before the show started to air. And uh, we even went, I think, after... Our, after our pilot taping, we all went to Disneyland together, and uh, it was incredible. It really was the best of times. Oh, now that just speaks to, you know, when I was a kid and I would see, you know, uh, uh, TV shows and they'd start up and I'd see that dynamic between young casts and I thought, oh, that would be amazing. That's it. I'm gonna go be a TV star. It never worked out for me. But I would love to walk away. With well, don't give up. Like don't give up. <laughs> Actors rule number one: never, ever, ever give up. You can still be a TV star. Look oh. at the huge following you have with this show. Come on, everybody! You oh. got to write to the networks, and we got to get you on camera. Oh, God bless! But I've given up so many times. I think they're going to smell it on me, <laughs> and that's all right. I've come to terms with that. But but I am all going right. to be a lifelong fan. I have no problem being in the audience anymore. I well, come to accept my role. But uh but I've I've heard rumors as a as a guy out in the audience that we're not done with head of the class. Is there a reboot? The world is reboot crazy. And I would plunk down the my, world my is reboot crazy. Where 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 you know, when did uh, that happen? the cast where the the cast members are on board. Um go. and and we thought we were going to Netflix, but it turns out we are not. So, uh, hey, hey, I, hey, Christine, I, never give up. Uh, I'll start writing. For right. You right now. Well, no, we have another home waiting for us, but mm. I, I will let you know as soon as I know. Okay. Okay. So I won't. Of course, we can't detail. all be in high school again. You know, so it's a little bit trickier. But well, but it is a high up. school setting. What so, kind of ideas are you pursuing in order to reboot this? Because the way you do it is going to have a lot of impact on whether or not us old guard are going to stay on board. Well, the, the cast will be involved. The original cast is is all involved. I mean, I can't speak for every single cast member. There's uh, one or two people who are awaiting the uh, final approval. But um, it's it it is a high school setting, and the original cast is there, so you will get to see your phase, and it will still deal with our with the ongoing high school issues. Okay, it'd be funny. So what so more do you, you need? Want, you you want to basically keep it in the same vein, even if we're not going to see all of you dressed up as 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 preps and nerds and and music majors in the eighties anymore. Right. We we can't we can't put us all. That we can't all be students again, though that would certainly be fun. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that reality is is here as well. Which which is fine, and you and I could even understand if you have to change the tone of the show a little bit. 
Um, there's a lot of – well, I mean, uh, how do you think TV has changed? Do you think TV was better then when you could sort of subtly knock around important points but still be unapologetically a comedy? Or, I mean, you know, now it seems like television is – it tries to be a little more intimate with you. It It's not afraid to go for a, a kick in the gut even on a network primetime sitcom. Or what's your take on that? Uh, well, I mean, I love, I, I'm a big fan of television. I am absolutely a TV lover. I was then and I am now. TV has changed. I can't say that it was better then. There are aspects that I preferred, uh, you know, from the 80s and early 90s. But there's such quality television now. And now there's so many other outlets mm-hmm. that, you know, the best writers are writing for television. So you get addicted to shows now, just like Miami Vice was appointment television. Mm. Remember when you had to be home on Friday night at whatever time that was to watch Miami Vice with the rest of your family? Um, Now, of course, we can binge watch a whole season of whatever your latest, you know, like, let's say for me, I love Silicon Valley. Oh, great one. Um, Oh my gosh, Mike Judge hit that show is just my absolute fave. And so, but I pine each week for the next episode. Do you, are you ever tempted to save them up? Because it's a, a battle I have with myself with shows like Silicon Valley, uh, even Game of Thrones to an extent, or anything on TV. I like to wait two, three, four weeks and say, all right, now I might have a whole afternoon where I don't have to pine as hard. But then right. Some of that is you know, I don't I yeah, I don't intentionally save stuff up because it's too we have too much exposure with social media and you know, people say things. You know, I really yeah. hold these shows precious. Me these characters yeah, yeah, yeah. You've gotta watch it gotta watch it when it's happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it is so. true. It is true. There's nothing like being able to just go to the next episode, but when it's a shared cultural thing, okay. So there's a difference. I, but oh, there's a difference. I'll tell you that I didn't. I never saw Breaking Bad, but when that last episode was airing, I thought, well, I've got to be a part of our pop culture. I don't want to miss the last episode. So I watched the last episode of Breaking Bad along with the rest of America, even though I'd never seen another episode of the series. Did did, did you feel like a fraud? Did you see the rest of America kind of looking at you from the side of our eye? Not at all. But I thought, now I can go back and then watch season after season, and this will finally make sense to me. <laughs> that's still I don't know if I want to recommend that that method to our <laughs> listeners <laughs> yeah no I, it's not a great idea but I couldn't I just I I do love events I'm an event oriented girl and I thought this can't be this this is too important that everyone's going to be talking about it tomorrow and, and that so, is one that I would happened. that would that is still appointment television for me when that was coming out Oh yeah. Um, so so Come on, I agree people with you. love that, that was, show. That Walter cool. White, he's changed. He's a how his character is a household word. Yeah. It really is. And I even having the, never seen the show, I knew about him. God bless Brian Cranston. You know, <laughs> I knew about Walter White. 
that he, he it's you know a Halloween costumes from an AMC. <laughs> I think that's a first. Yes. That kind of thing. Yeah. And people are using like the term Breaking Bad now, like in conversation, not to describe the show, but as like what it means, like when someone goes off the rails. I, I'm actually from Albuquerque, New Mexico. I never oh, in my wow. life had heard that term anywhere. Well, I had never heard it either. I don't and they were insisting when the show came out, no no no, it's a popular expression in in the New Mexico southwest area. That's a lie. They made that term up. And we're accepting it now. That's just how how deep television can get, I think, in culture. I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree. You know, when I was uh, when I first started the show, and I was in high school, and I would uh, so head of the class, we would we worked three weeks and had a week off. That was the typical four camera sitcom uh, schedule. You know, the writers would take that week to get ahead of schedule on the next episodes that were coming up. And sometimes I would be offered personal appearances. And I remember the very, after that show, so the show premiered in the top five, the the pilot episode, which was a big deal at the time. And uh, as far as ratings go, and God bless my mommy, we, I had to make a personal appearance somewhere and I was going to do it over the weekend. So we left on a Friday afternoon, and we were flying uh, into whatever city this was. And we could see all, you know, I always like to look out the window and look at all the rooftops, see if they had swimming pools or how different the architecture was. And my mom, I was looked, peering down at all the houses, and she said, every one of those houses has a television, and you've come into their living room. Whoa. I was like, oh, that's really weird. <laughs> well, that's overwhelming. But um, but because that is the nature of television, that's how things like Breaking Bad become part of our vernacular. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just, I mean, it's crazy the kind of power behind that. And uh, and so I've got a lot of respect for, for, for what you do uh, in a 1980s, primetime television sitcom. I have honest to God respect for that. Oh, and also, this would be a good segue to, I suppose we should probably also talk about uh, the USO shows, which uh, the the whole Bob Hope USO uh, three-disc DVD set is coming out. And now this is very easy to have respect for someone for doing. How did you get into a USO show? These are, which for those of you who don't know, and shame on you for not knowing, there's a long tradition of entertainment for uh, active troops overseas. Goes Bob Hope started doing it in World War II, uh, and he became like an emissary. And it's it's to keep up morale. It's to say people back home have not forgot about you, which is the only thing us back home can do, I think, for our men and women of the armed forces. And you left your home to go do it. And here's the thing, you know, this, I think it's hard for us now to, to have an idea of how isolated it used to be, but we didn't have the internet. You couldn't email or Skype or FaceTime. There weren't cell phones where you could call someone overseas where you could video chat. None of that existed. You know, people didn't even want to make a long distance call. And if you were, you know, in the States, it was impossible to reach your service members except for 
through letters, especially when Bob Hope started doing this. Oh, yeah. So to have celebrities, right, to have celebrities of the time, you know, fly to whatever outpost you were serving, uh, especially during the holidays, it really does boost morale and let you know that you are loved and appreciated, you know, from the homeland. Yeah. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of the USO. I had always had a crush. I, had, I grew up having a crush on Bob Hope. The road shows were in reruns on our little black and white television when I was a small child. And I would say about four years old, I was already in love with Bob Hope. <laughs> I wanted to grow up and be Dorothy Lamore. Uh-huh. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't understand why the girls always went for being when Bob was my absolute favorite. So uh, when we were in the Persian Gulf War and President Bush Sr. at the time had given Saddam Hussein an ultimatum, I think of January 19th, to sort of cease or desist, and we had all of our servicemen and women uh, deployed in the Gulf, in Saudi Arabia and on Navy ships, all, all around the Gulf area, um, Bob Hope decided to take a group, he called us his band of gypsies, to the Persian Gulf. And, and I, I could not believe deadline. that I was asked. This was before the deadline. Yeah, so he was going to take us in December before this January deadline. When it, when it was but it was frightening. Desert Shield. Right? Yeah. Desert Shield, so, so exactly. So he came and invited you. He did. Wow. I was overwhelmed. I was so excited. Was that like and a telegram, I, a phone call? I mean, how does Bob Hope get a hold of you and say, hey, guess what? I want to take you overseas to meet the troops. Well, I imagine that his people called my people. Oh, of course. <laughs> it were. Of course. I and forgot. It was, the, I, it was late 80s, early 90s. It was late 80s. It was 91, I think. Hmm. Um that's that's and, right. Uh, does that sound right? I think it was ninety one. Yeah, but yeah, uh, his people called my people, and someone asked me in person, and I was like, "What?" I think that also. I think that my brother was my publicist at the time, and and he ultimately said, "Hey, Bob Hope uh, wants to take you to the Persian Gulf. You need to go and meet them." And of all things, I had to sing. And I only sing when I am acting. I am not a singer. <gasps> so I was excited and terrified. <laughs> but ultimately, Bob and I did a comedy routine together in front of 10,000 men and women in uniform at the secret base in the sand dunes in the Middle East. It was amazing. And then we, we sang a Broadway song together. We did a little dance. And... Uh, I mean, it was the most exhilarating time in my life. People, I've I've been very lucky to do a lot of great things in my life. And when people ask me, you know, what are what are the high, what are what are the highlights of my career? Bob Hope is the first, is the first and top experience. I, that's that is, I mean, amazing for you to have gone from watching those road shows and he do these routines with Bing Crosby and, and all the classics too, almost out of the blue. Uh, of course it's a, if your brother's your publicist, he is going to say, Hey, you know, you know how to advance your career, go to the desert to a secret base. 
two-day flight away. I got you covered. But then you end up on stage with an idol. I would I would consider it like a peak in my life if I ever got to see Bob Hope perform, uh, although not enough that I ever joined the military. But but still, that's uh, for, for I don't know. It it blows my mind for someone to even have that in their in their resume. It was mind boggling. It really was. I'm sorry, I'm so congested, everybody. I'm having terrible allergies. I hope. Can you understand me, Dan? <laughs> oh yeah. Am I absolutely. making sense? Because all right, all right. Well, um, it was mind boggling, and we were helicoptered on these, you know, the military helicopters, but they have no doors. It's me and the Pointer sisters, and I brought my mom. Um, and we are, and the wind is blowing in your face. You're the, you know, uh, overhead, and you're looking down uh, at the ocean, at a navy ship, at an aircraft carrier, uh, at a secret base. It was, it was so surreal that they are indelible memories for me because it was such an all all over. A full body overwhelm. Right. And then the experience, just as an actor, to work with Bob Hope, I wanted to write down every little thing he said to me. Um, at the end of one of our rehearsals, he said that I reminded him of Lucille Ball. Ooh. And I thought, like, oh, my God, oh, that's that. You know, that was, like, such a huge compliment. A oh. young Lucille Ball. Because he did a couple of movies with her. They, they, they did a run of films together. Oh yeah, oh yeah. They but definitely thought, were in the same yeah. circles at 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 the height of several of two very long careers. And man, you can't really. I mean, I almost want to say you're making all this up. I mean, this sounds like <laughs> some kind of perfect, <laughs> like entourage type movie scenario that you got to live. That well, it's funny and it's fun. It's going to be a great escape, and it's going to pull from heartstrings. Yep. yep. You won't be able to dance with Bob Hope. He won't call you Lucio Ball, but you can pretend while you watch. <laughs> oh, my gracious. <laughs> and that's, well, all right. Thank you very much. I know this went uh, longer than I promised, and I really want to thank you for being a great sport. And, uh, again, I'm just a huge fan, Christine. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dan. I really appreciate it. Head of the class and uh, Christine Hodge. We I want to thank her again for speaking with us. Uh, real fun interview in wherein she also mentions the uh, the Bob Hope disc three disc DVD edition Bob Hope available Salute at Walmart. The troops available at Walmart. Yeah, because Walmart isn't getting enough advertising. Or it's available now. Actually, um, I I don't even can you not, you might even yeah. be able to get it on Time Life, but. I'm sure you get, oh, Time Life is the producers or the distributors of such 
fine, awesome. Uh, True. And we've, we've spoken to the Timeline people mm-hmm. before. Here's another gem that they have curated for yes. you, featuring Bob Hope courageously going overseas to fight the enemy mm-hmm. by propping up our boys yes. with, uh, with, with good laughs, uh, characters, long-running bits. Mm-hmm. Uh, suffice to say, that was not an easy gig for a performer, but he understood that it was a lot easier for him than it was for those guys. This is a guy who went and did this in basically every war from World War II Ooh. until at least he yeah. died. Unfortunately, yeah. he could not stop war in his lifetime. No, but he can make them true But class. he did yeah. some really good things because especially, as uh, as was mentioned in the interview, when you go over there uh, back before you know uh, any kind of technology could help them stay in touch, that was the one way of saying, like, hey, America cares. Yeah, yeah. everybody back home yeah. remembers you. Yep. Yep. What you're doing is important, please. And that message is still true today. Uh, well, hey. there, there was there was uh, famously um, a lot of the stand-up comedians, you know, like uh, the fucking roaster guy. What's his name? Oh, uh, Jeffrey Ross. Uh, Jeffrey Ross just went out there, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, so this is not something that's – this is not bygone. Yeah, no, it this still has – the this, USO yeah. is still an organization providing this. Dennis because Leary we still does, do have right? active, yeah. active troops Correct. fighting for our freedom overseas. But this guy was kind of the first. He was kind of the principal guy. And, and like um, – I've seen some of these uh, Time Life releases. You know, obviously, mm-hmm. a lot of his stuff was before my time. But yeah, because like, yeah, like, they famously, would film these. That's what you're getting on these DVDs. Yeah. They were top secret uh, yeah, you're at right. the time. You're they right. could not be released right. because of the war. You know what? We fought really hard for you. And we have some. They have been released. Freedom of Information Act. Now <laughs> the Bob Hope USO. You can tours. see Bob Hope like classically dressed as a woman and flirting with troops. That's mm-hmm. like that's like a big Bob Hope bit. He's the ugliest woman you could possibly imagine is Bob Hope. And, but uh, the troops were going crazy for it, baby. Which just goes to show <laughs> the depravity <laughs> of them Nazis. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're, we're going to um, – we are going to give some away. Uh, oh, thank uh, God. Good. Good. Yeah. We need to get people turned on to this. Pay attention to our social media at Stay Classy SDCC, at Maddie P Radio Show. We're going to be giving away um, – I, I Think up to four copies of the Bob Hope um, special. Mm-hmm. Wait, what is it again? The, the Bob, Bob, Hope, salutes Bob the Hope salutes the troops. <laughs> Bob is Hope is a tricky one, but Bob Hope salutes the troops. Okay, out and, now. And so, uh, be paying attention to our social media. We're going to give away up to four, maybe five copies of this. I also have some Bob Hope um, Hope for the holidays, Bob Hope Thanksgiving, a Bob Hope. Country Western Spectacle. Hope for the Hope. Days. Uh, no, this is Red Skelton. Hold on. Uh, anyway, we're going to be giving away a lot of stuff, so be paying attention to the social media guys. Uh, Bob Hope is an institution. We all know this. Uh, this is an amazing opportunity to be working with anything having to do with Bob Hope, even though um, there's a good chance that any of today's stand-up comedians don't really find him that funny. Oh, I wouldn't even go that far. But yeah. th- I think everyone recognizes he's a, he is, as you said, an institution. Hey, speaking of institutions, <laughs> yeah. there is a major film institution which oh. just turned 45. Wow, yes. Do you know what it is? Would you like to hear? Here, listen to these tones behind me. Yes, that's right. We're talking about the Godfather all of a sudden. And why not? Why not? Uh, you know, they just, uh, the tribe, as we record this, mm-hmm. uh, here in our deep underground bunker. 15, we have gone to the mattresses. The uh, We've gone to the mattresses. It's uh, Nobody wanted a war, but it's what you get, Mikey. 
but it, uh, the Tribeca Film Festival, Robert De Niro's New York Film Fest, just wrapped up, and they had a big meeting. Of, a big a, reunion. A big reunion yeah. of a bunch of the like the heavy hitters. It yep. wasn't just, you know, the guy who played Luca Brazzi and uh, and one of the screenwriters. Well, he he sleeps with the fishes anyway. He does. He does now yeah. sleep with the fishes. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, it was, was it was wrestler. Coppola. It yeah. was Pacino, Pacino. It was De Niro. De Niro. It was Robert Duvall, yeah. Diane Keaton, mm-hmm. uh, T- uh, Tyler Shire. She was there too. Tyler Shire. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, the people who. It matters. So yeah. that is that is one that is one of those panels I would have stood in line three hours yeah, absolutely. for. Absolutely, I would have given that one a shot just because that is a rare reunion. That's, that's you can have your Guardians of the Galaxy two panel all you want, mm-hmm. but this is Led Zeppelin reuniting. Yeah. to me, The Godfather was a big deal. It came so hyped up to us of our generation because I. It was already established. Right? It was already yeah. several years old and already become a phenomenon by the time I was born. So by the time I was old enough to be allowed to watch it, it had just picked up so much cultural steam. I mean, the, you know, make him an offer he can't refuse was just a line already by the time it got to me. There was, I saw a special, this was a special on television mm-hmm. not that long ago, maybe four or five years ago. And it was just like the greatest lines in movie history. This is like... This wasn't even on BuzzFeed, you know, like this was like a television show celebrating the AFI Institute, something. And I don't remember exactly what it was, but they were just like, and I, again, this is just raw from my memory. Of course, Luke, I am your father is like two or whatever, but I don't know, six out of the top 10 were all Godfather. Like this, you know, leave the gun, take the cannoli. Well, I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. No, Michael, it was only business. You come into my house on the day my daughter's to be married and you ask me to be murdered. And I hope that their first child be a masculine child. Do you know who I am? I'm Mo Green. I made my bones when you were going out with cheerleaders. Hey, Bob Pongu, huh? Oh, Bob Pongu, you Someday. And that day may never come. I'll call upon you to do a service. This one time, I'll let you ask me about my affairs. There, there's so many. That was just the the phenomenon that it was. So by the time we were old enough to watch it, yep. and it lived up to that, yes. to me, to my young mind, and I still appreciate it to this day, was great. Uh, in fact, during my little uh, early tweens cinephile phase mm-hmm. uh, was when the third one came out. Yep. Uh, and that's probably all we should say about it. You'll all notice Andy Garcia wasn't at the reunion. <laughs> so <but laughs> I do remember this. So. We are talking 45 years since the first one came out. So there is a big deal about it. There is a hoopla. And hey, guess what? Marky, can you get our, yes, our people a copy is- of this? One of the most. You're my go-to guy. I'm so I'm so excited about this. Uh, Our friends at Paramount Studios, um, they're yeah, they actually want me to give away 
Um, and I'm so grateful for this. This is a lot of times, I mean, we try to give away that Tom Cruise thing. That was horrible. Um, <laughs> what was it? Jack Reacher. Jack, oh, Jack that was Reacher. so bad. And I'm sorry. I still have them. I mean, everybody want them? He, Just yes. <laughs> a bunch of winners were announced, but Mark Heath said, no, I can't inflict this on anyone. I mean, no one's going to watch this again. I'm going to hide it. This is, this is like, this is like the original Zuck film. No one's going to see this. Uh, so look, I'm, I'm sorry about, I'm sorry about Jack Reacher reaches again. I'm sorry about that. But we have, I'm not kidding you, uh, it's because of the 45th anniversary, they've remastered, retoned, and I think they might have fixed that little part where Sonny Cor- Corleone punches the brother-in-law and you kind of see that he doesn't really connect. They might oh, have, and they then, might have and then Han that. Solo shot him. I think right uh, Han Solo that, shot second. Missed, but yes. so it looks like he got yeah. hit first. It was about I time see. somebody fixes it. Someone has the courage to yeah. fix it. Um, yeah. So they might have they might have fixed that little spot. Mm-hmm. But anyway, no movie's per- perfect. Uh, but yes, uh, finally <laughs> they um, they're going to release it on. Uh, I re- I do own the original the remastered DVD release. I remember buying those at Costco and it was awesome. And I watched them again. Um, but this is a Blu-ray remaster of one and two. We're going to give away one and two mm-hmm. to one person. We have two winners. So you get one and two. There's two winners. And we're not going to trust this to social media. I want you guys to send me an email. Send it to mm. Saturday Morning Serial. This one's too important. Yeah, I don't know. I can't. I can't have all these. We can't dick around like Jack no, no, Reach no. around over here. We, we're... <laughs> no, this has got to be the real deal. Yeah. All right. And so uh, I'm going to give away again two winners, two movies each. Godfather one and two, totally remastered, out soon on Amazon and the whatnots. Um, email me Saturday Morning Serial at MattyPRadio.com. dot com. Now. What's that again? Saturday morning cereal at MattyPRadio.com. What I want you to do, Grimshay, is I want you to ask them a question to send me an answer. What is the question going to be? What's an offer you can't refuse? Boom! That is so topical. Mm-hmm. All right. So what's an offer that you can't refuse? Send me an email. Winners will be tweeted. Make me laugh, make me cry. The more emotional reaction that uh, that I have to your responses, the higher your score is going to be. I'm going to make you famous, so I will tweet out your answers. Because are we I giving can't... away Tombstone too? No, that's still not that old. Uh, we're going to wait until the 40th anniversary. Of... <laughs> We've got about 17 years. Stay tuned for that one, listeners. Yeah, but we're so excited about this, you guys. Godfather, it does not get more epic. I mean, they actually literally went back. And cut one and two together. Though, disclaimer, we're not giving away a copy of The Godfather Epic. No, but this is as epic as the release of The Godfather Epic. But different from. But it's not the epic. So we want to legally distinguish. Correct. What you'd be getting is one copy of The Godfather, one copy of The Godfather 2. Remastered for Blu-ray. Remastered for Blu-ray. Uh-huh. Which is out now or soon. Depends on when you hear this. Mm -hmm. So either you go, you buy it like some chump. Or you send me an email and you get your own copy. And remember, guys, most people think that they're losers and you don't email me. Be a winner and email me. Oh, that's good. That's good. You, I, most people want to grow on. People don't email like you think. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, we're just afraid you're 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 uh, you're bashful out there. Yeah, don't be bashful. Don't be bashful. And for, if you send me an email, I'm going to send you something. For example, the Bob Hope Hope for the Holidays. I got it right here. 
You want it? I'll yep. send it to you. It's ready to go, unclaimed. <laughs> we've got a we've got a small box of unclaimed prizes. I got the Tonight Show for Johnny Carson. I got that. Anyway, just send, uh, send us an email. We always love to hear from you. Saturday morning cereal at mattypradio.com. Thank you guys so much. What a blast. Yeah, yeah. I think we've had a good time, and uh, I don't want this to go on to a three-hour epic every time we do a show. <laughs> so it seems to me like right here is about enough of this. That's enough of this. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. Oh, this is enough of this.